but uh, considering that you all already know him, but it is still a good gesture to remind you of what Andy M., our great friend and member, does. So Andy, Andy M. moved here to Michigan in the year 2013. He and his family had moved here, and since that time has been a member of the university church. He currently serves as um, the communications director for the Michigan Conference, as well as director of religious liberty. Um, and there's one thing that I love about Andy. He's a good friend, but... Whenever I follow Andy M. on Facebook, I always know where to find the good restaurants if I'm ever traveling. Um, there's always a good post. Um, Andy is a good cook, so if you don't know that, uh, tap him on the shoulder afterward and ask him where is your food. Um, but Andy is, again, known by all of us, and I think the most important thing to say about Andy is that he is a lover of the Word, and he really loves the Lord. He is a, a wonderful husband and father, and uh, he needs no further introduction. He'll be taking some time to pray, and now he has the time to deliver the word. Please pray for him as he speaks to us this afternoon. It's technically in the afternoon. What a pleasure it is to be here to worship with you this afternoon. Um, and what a blessing it is to be here for International Sabbath, amen? Yes. By the way, one thing you'll notice about this church is that every single Sabbath is actually an international <laughs> Sabbath. And so we just designate one Sabbath of the many uh, to commemorate the diversity in the church. And praise the Lord, yes. as it was mentioned, this is a little taste of heaven. And if we can't get along down here, how are we going to get along up there, amen? And so praise the Lord that we have a church family that, that appreciates not just diversity of, of look and ethnicity, but also diversity of food. How many of you appreciate all the different foods that you'll be eating a little bit later on? And I promise to keep this short because I was told three times that we need to be uh, abbreviated, which I certainly appreciate as well. So with that said, let us bow our heads for a word of prayer, invite the Lord's presence to be with us this afternoon. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this, this time and opportunity where we can come together to worship you, one also asks that the words that are shared from this pulpit are not my own, but that they will be from on high, that you would speak through me, first and foremost, but even more importantly, speak to the hearts and minds of all those that are gathered here today. We thank you, Lord. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. As I was reflecting upon the theme for the Sabbath, in the context of the book of Daniel, which really should be a review for many of us, I started thinking about it, meditating on the concept of deliverance as found in the book of Daniel. And what, this thought came to my mind that in many ways, deliverance is also a state of mind. Amen? And allow that to sink in just a little bit. Deliverance also has to do perhaps even more so as, a, uh, as 
its impact on our state of mind. Just to give you an example, in the book of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar needed to be delivered from himself, amen? He needed to be delivered from his pride and pride of glory and the thoughts that he had of his own importance and upon himself. And of course, God needed to deliver Nebuchadnezzar from his state of mind. How many of you this morning have something in your mind and heart that you need to be delivered from? It could be a state of anxiety. How many of you naturally cling on to things like fear, anxiety, worry? And God is stating to us this morning that we can surrender even those things to God and be delivered, not in terms of circumstances, but we can be delivered from the bondage of our own mind and ultimately from the bondage of sin. And God will do that for us. Amen? But we can also have peace in the midst of calamity. There are so many things going on in this world. How many of you are reading and reflecting upon the news and are seeing things that we have never seen before? And there are many things that are, that are cause for worry, for, for anxiety and trouble, and yet God is stating and telling us today that we can have a peace in the midst of the storm, that regardless of what's going on out there, that our hearts and minds can be at peace. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on God. Because the mind that stays on God also trusts in our Lord and Savior. How many of you want that kind of deliverance? That it doesn't matter what's going on out there, but in your state, in your connection with God, you're at perfect peace regardless of anything going on out there because God is with you and you know and you are assured that he has your back. I praise the Lord for such a deliverance that only God can bring to us. And we can grasp that kind of peace by faith, knowing that God ultimately has our back. When you look at the book of Daniel, and turn with me to chapter 1, and we're going to do a brief synopsis of several chapters and highlight the context in which God brought deliverance to his people. And just to paint a brief context, you have uh, in verse 2, the fact that it was the Lord, it was God who gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. And of course, Nebuchadnezzar did not like the fact that, that it was God who delivered uh, Judah into his hand. He wanted to think, or he probably preferred the thought, that his might and power and glory were the ones, were the things that delivered Judah into his hands. And we see that ultimately in, in uh, Daniel chapter 4. But here you have Daniel and his three friends in chap chapter 1. They're selected to be the wise men of Babylon. They're given a diet of the king's delicacies and, of course, his wine. And how in the world do you refuse 
the food of the king. One time I was in, and I'm not going to name the country because it was also stated up here, and I want to be politically correct this morning so as not to be stoned. And by the way, some of the garments out there, some of you are very brave men and women wearing some of the uh, costumes of today, and I praise the Lord that we can do that on this Sabbath. But I was eating at... Um, the mission president, so he was the president of the entire country in terms of the church there, the Church of Adventism. And so I went there and I was eating. He, he gave us a, a bowl, his wife served us food, and as I was eating uh, the soup, and I took the first bite, and I noticed there were some black things floating in the soup. And so as I was looking a little closer, I realized and recognized that there were beetles that were in my soup. What do you think I did at that point? Do you think I informed the host? Absolutely not. Did I eat the beetles? Absolutely not. Thankfully, there was a little napkin uh, on the side and I started stuffing the beetles into that napkin and of course I ate the rest of the soup. Amen? And um, Good thing I couldn't taste the beetles, but, but out of politeness, out of politeness, I ate the entire soup. This even happened to me in the States. I was at a, uh, a ministry in the Tennessee area, and I was eating cereal. How many of you have ever done this before? You're eating cereal, and you pour in the milk, and of course the beetle. There were some beetles in the cereal that floated to the top, and of course... I grabbed those things and flung them over to the trash can and, uh, and, and began my meal and, and, and finished it and ate it all. But here you have a situation where it's the king of the greatest nation of that time offers food. And of course, we know the story very well. The Bible says that Daniel purposed in his heart you read in verse 8, Daniel resolved, or he purposed, in other words, resolved, he made a commitment that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. And of course, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to, def to defile himself. There are individuals in this room this morning or this afternoon that there are things in your life that you know that you must make a, a deeper commitment to the Lord. And we've all made those type of commitments before, whether it be a New Year's resolution. How many of you have, uh, are, are afraid of heights and gone on uh, to the top of a, a tall diving board? Have you ever gone through that struggle of looking over and being afraid and scared and walking back and, and the more you think about it, you recognize, the more you think about it, the likelihood of you not jumping off that diving board actually increases. And so you just reach a point where you're like, I need to stop thinking, and I just need to jump. It's, it reminds me of the Nike slogan, just do it. To purpose in your heart that you're going to do what it, what it takes to serve the living God. And of course, God will help you all along the way. Of course, this deliverance, God delivered 
his people, Daniel and his three friends. They were ten times healthier, wiser, the Bible states uh, in the book of Daniel, as a result of their faithfulness, their commitment, their resolve to stand firm. And of course, God honored that commitment and came through. If you go to Daniel chapter 2, just as a recap, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream of an image delineating the rise and fall of kingdoms, beginning with Babylon and going down all the way through to the second coming. And of course, the king demands not just the interpretation, but to provide the contents of the dream itself. And of course, this is an arbitrary request. How in the world are these wise men supposed to know? And of course, Daniel and his uh, finds out, discovers when this death decree has gone out through the land. All the wise men were being gathered up. And of course, Daniel asked for a little time. And we've uh, come to the story in verses 17 and 18. The Bible says, after he had received the news, in verse 17 it says, Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Daniel comes to his three friends. He makes the matters known. And friends, when you and I find yourselves in a predicament, the first place that you and I need to run to, and I appreciate uh, the message last week by Pastor Jermaine, a message dedicated to prayer, that our go-to person, even before our closest friends on this earth, must be to God, because ultimately he is the only one that could resolve any predicament that you and I are in. I, I was mentioning earlier how we are naturally obsessive with fears, anxieties, and, and various emotions, even though we completely dislike and detest these emotions. For some reason, we're very OCD about it. When I was studying at the seminary some years ago, there was a, uh, a person across from the apartment that I was living in that had or, or struggled with OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And every morning, I would hear him leaving his house. You know, I'd hear the door open, you know, open, and he'd run down, duh, 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 slam the door, and run out. But sure enough, and this happened almost every day, he'd run back into the house, climb up those stairs, and check the door to see if it was in fact closed. And so every morning I would hear, I can't do that noise. He would slam the door shut. And then he would come back, and this routine happened every day. In many ways, we're very OCD, not just with our fears and anxieties and our worries, but this is exactly the reason why you and I need to go to God and, say, and, and to pray this prayer, Lord, I will not let you go until you bless me. And that does not mean that circumstances, per se, are, are altered or changed. 
but your, your own state of mind as you reach your hand up in faith, as you grab the hand of omnipotence, you come to a place in your mind where you know that God is going to deliver you. Irregardless of what is taking place out there. You've heard that expression, let go and let God. It's easier said than done, than done I know. But the Lord is, is asking us this afternoon, let go and let God. In Daniel chapter 3, of course, we know the story very well. Nebuchadnezzar doesn't follow the blueprint of Daniel chapter 2, of all the variety of metals that signifies the, the rise and fall of various nations throughout time, up until the second coming. And of course, Nebuchadnezzar builds his own image, his own statue, made entirely of gold. And of course, a death decree is enacted for anyone refusing to bow down to worship this image set up by Nebuchadnezzar. And of course, this is a response of Daniel's three friends once the death decree goes out. It's found in verses 16 through 18. If you want to follow along with me, Daniel chapter 3 and verses 16 through 18, it says here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And I love these words in verse 18. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. If not, these words ring towards a faithfulness with no strings attached. Lord, whether you deliver me or not, physically speaking, because I'm already delivered in my head, it does not matter whether I die or live today, because God has already delivered my, my heart and mind, and whatever's in store, I am ready to go through it. How many of you would like to have a faith like that? I think of this unconditional faithfulness and loyalty to God. And as I was reflecting on that, I, I began to think about all the ways that my wife and I, I got to include her, all the ways that we motivate our children to obey us, right? You think of when you're driving the car, kids, be quiet. I know we're going to Camp Asable and it's a three-hour ride and we have to make this trip seemingly every single week. And it's long and it's hard. But if you're quiet, if you keep your mouth closed, we got some chocolate, right? But we have this candy. Now, I don't know about you, you folks, but perhaps you have children that are ready for translation. But I don't know of any child that has ever responded and said, Dad, Dad, be quiet. <laughs> we do not need an answer at this time. Our mind is made up. Whether you give us candy or not, 
We will remain quiet for the rest of the trip. How many of you have ever heard a declaration like that from your children? Probably not. And I began to think, are we teaching our children? This is a reflective question. Are we teaching our children to be loyal to God, to obey God out of love or out of trinkets and rewards? Something to think about. Amen? Amen. As we think of standing for God at this time in earth's history, to be able to say to God, Lord, I'm going to move forward. I am going to make a stand and not work on the Sabbath day because it is your day. And I do not know what challenges remain ahead. But even if I do not receive another job, I will remain faithful to God today. Amen? I don't know what your trials and what your challenges are. But as we begin to wrap up this sermon, I think of the time when Daniel's three friends, God ultimately did not remove the fact that they had to enter the fire. Amen? He may not remove the circumstances that cause you stress, anxiety, and even calamity. But what he does promise is that he will be with you in that fire, in the midst, and that you and I can stay and remain alive in Jesus Christ because he is here to save our hearts and minds. I, wa I want to stress this afternoon, that true deliverance that God brings is more a state of mind than anything else. As a matter of fact, God responds to that, that state of mind, that, that strength of faith as you're clinging on to him. And sometimes it's by a bare thread. And sometimes we must pray like that man did with Jesus as he cried out, Lord, I believe. Believe a little bit, but help thou my unbelief, because there's a lot more of that than there is of belief. I was reading a book the other day that states that that's the kind of, uh, of state and condition that you and I can come to God with, and God will never turn away a prayer that cries out, recognizing its own weakness, because ultimately, where does strength come from? Where does power Come from. It ultimately comes from God alone. Deliverance is a state of mind. I think of the disciples. As Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side. And as you know, they were on this boat. Jesus is asleep. And he's exhausted. And of course, you know the story very well. You can read it later on. It's found in Mark chapter 4. But a terrible storm comes upon Jesus and the 12 disciples. And here they are fighting for their life. And as they're doing so, finally they reach this point where they wake up Jesus frantically and said, Lord, Lord, we are perishing. Don't you care? And of course, we know the story very well. 
Jesus rebukes the storm. And do you remember what his words were? How is it that you have no faith? But there's a statement before that. He asks a question, a fundamental question. And by the way, some might say that it's a foolish question, right? And I don't mean uh, to be disrespectful, but you'll understand my point here. The question that Jesus poses to his disciples when they're on the very brink of death, and by the way, the, Bi the Bible uh, describes their condition of their little boat. It says that the boat was filling with water. They're in a predicament on the verge of death, and here Jesus stops that storm, and then he asks the question, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Now, think with me for one second here. One of the things that I'm afraid of is, is, is heights. I have a, a fear of heights. Can I see a raise of hand for anyone who has a fear of heights? When I go to the Grand Canyon, I'm walking like this, you know, <laughs> and I'm grabbing onto boulders and, and whatnot because I'm afraid of heights. And I, and I happen to fly a handful of times a year. And I remember one time I was flying uh, to a city and the turbulence got so bad, people started crying out, people started praying, I heard screaming, and in, in my own mind, I was like, Lord, if today's the day, help me to be ready. Can you imagine if you were flying and all of a sudden the, wings, uh, the, the engine blew up and it was on fire, and you were racing down to your death. Can you imagine the fear that you and I would have at that point in time? The reason, you know, people always state the statistics like, oh, you're much more likely to die in a, an airplane, in a car crash than in an airplane. That's true. That's true. But in an airplane, you're absolutely powerless to do anything about it, right? You're just sitting there like, okay, one, two, three, I'm going down, right? <laughs> Can you imagine? You're screaming at the top of your lungs, and Jesus happens to be sitting next to you as your friend, and right on the verge of crashing down to the earth, Jesus stops the airplane in midair. You're still crying out at the top of your lungs, and then he turns to you and asks the question, Buddy, why are, you, why are you afraid? Why are you scared? Kind of a, a silly question, isn't it? Because the response is so obvious. And the reaction of the disciples, I believe, when they were perhaps in bed that night as they were reflecting on the events of the day, that that question rang in their ears. Why are you afraid? You mean, Jesus, that even when I'm at the very precipice of death itself, you can have the audacity to ask the question, why are you afraid? Deliverance is a state of mind that is enacted when you and I Believe in the word of God that it will do exactly what it states that it will do and you cling on to that for dear life. 
and you trust in the word of God for your salvation, for the fact that you've lost your job, for the fact that you can't make ends meet from week to week, for, from the fact that you may have an exam that will determine your entire career, that type of stress and, and anxiety. Jesus can even then turn to you and ask the question, why are you anxious this afternoon? Why are you afraid? And I want to challenge you this afternoon and myself for a faith that is determined by the grace of God to be, not just begin the fight, but to end the fight as God has our back. How is it that you're afraid? And of course, Jesus gives the key to fearlessness. He asks the question, why are you afraid? And then he makes a statement, how is it that you have no faith? We have fear. We have anxiety when we lose faith in a God that loves and cares for our lives in each and every way. How many of you want to believe in God this afternoon? Amen. And how many of you want to say, Lord, I surrender my life. I believe, but my belief is weak. So help my unbelief. If that is your prayer, that no matter what circumstances, no matter what events come your way, and like the disciples, you can be in that boat. And even though Jesus is sleeping, apparently unconcerned by the stresses of your life, you can know that even though the fire is seven times hotter, that Jesus is right there in the fire with you and I. It's my prayer that you and I will take assurance in a God that has our back through thick or thin, regardless of circumstances. And if not, we will still follow the Lord this day. Amen. Amen.